Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister. How's it going, bro? Oh, so very good, Bradley. So very good. Standard is fresh, so I've been enjoying our uh, favorite format together, and you know, I'm just I'm basically walking on sunshine. Yeah, no, it, it does feel great. Standard has been been pretty awesome so far i've been excited and we're going to be talking about that mm-hmm. a lot next week um mm-hmm. uh but for now i just have to say podbean itunes spotify stitcher are the places to go if you want to listen and follow along with all of the episodes of the bash Rose podcast and um uh we do have a special guest today now our, our topic is not standard it's actually we're going to be talking a little bit about op so we wanted to bring in someone who is in fact op and that is none other than Mr. Brian Brown doing BBD. How's it going? You know, it's going great. And I'm glad you finally noticed. Um, now, I I actually bought some shoes a while back from Walmart and they were from the brand OP and I actually got commented on so many times at Magic Tournaments. Like, I don't know, someone would just see my shoes and it would just say OP on it and people would crack jokes about it. So it's, it's, I'm glad you finally noticed, Brad, that I'm OP. Um, wow. I've been trying to send signals for so long. Look, I'm a little dense, right? It takes me some time to, to understand things or to see things. Um, I mean, I've been in with Amber for almost seven years and she's waiting for me to compliment her for the first time, too. So, <laughs> Brian, are you actually OP if you have to specify it on your shoe that you're OP? Or does that actually make you more OP, would you think? I think it's uh, it's like a, a power move, I think is the term they use. OK, OK. Yeah, so it actually is it's more OP. Um, <laughs> well, you know me. <laughs> At least that's the that's the slant I'm going with. Uh, and for people who who aren't aware, OP it refer, refers to organized play, which is the department of wizards that deals with tournament structures. Basically. See, I thought I thought you were just overpowered. No, so oh, you're just actually working there. I see. Okay. No, 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 oh, no. I okay. am overpowered. That's what OP means for me. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. It's different gotcha. for me than it is for everyone else, Corey. <laughs> fair, fair. So, so speaking of organized play, and by that I mean disorganized play, uh, <laughs> the Bash Bros <laughs> tournament has been rescheduled from November 1st to this Sunday on the Woo. 18th. Uh, we are also changing formats back to standard because the new standard format seems awesome. And mm-hmm. we will be giving away, thanks to our wonderful sponsor, BCW supplies, $1,000 in store credit for BCW. And uh, it's a great way to just, you know, collect a lot of credit. So when we finally start going to tournaments again, we can all be, you know, supplied up. Oh, yeah. Sure just stocked up. Yeah. Just stocked up with and binders and, <laughs> and everything. Um, yeah. And so that will be this Sunday. So we hope to see you there. It is free to play in for all of our patrons and supporters. So if you would like to be part of that, you can go and uh, support us for a minimum of $5 on patreon.com slash podcast to qualify for the tournament. And then in the Patreon, there is uh, a couple announcements for this tournament with the code to get into the tournament. Yeah, it's um, going to be fun. Our first I, one was a blast. I got to ask, a lot of fun. does yeah. BCW, do they sell fanny packs or cargo shorts? <laughs> no brian that's our next line of uh <laughs> okay. of merch is cargo shorts just for you 
Those are the ultimate deck storage devices, but I digress. <laughs> you don't even use a box, right? You just you just put the whole 75 in your pocket? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the Bash Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the DeckBot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. Wow. All right. Well, so we do have a past result to talk about. Um... And this actually was the catalyst for the topic this week and why I wanted to talk about it. Um, so the grand finals was won by none other than Austin Bursovich, 32 person tournament, uh, historic and standard. Austin ended up beating a teammate in the finals, which was really cool and uh, took it all down. And, you know, a, that night I saw a tweet from our lax and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, what a journey for Austin to almost get into rivals that, but not. And then, get banned from the system to then the suspension be lifted into qualifying for the grand finals uh a week after being uh the suspension being lifted uh qualifies through top eighting the players tour finals and then wins the whole grand finals but then still isn't in rivals or (laughs) or mpl so what you're saying is that he won worlds and wasn't invited back? I don't see a problem with this at all. It seems totally normal. Just normal stuff right there. Yeah. It's never happened to anybody else that you know, right, Brian? No, I mean, yeah. At least, at, at least that support group will have two people now. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like that That really, uh, that that stayed with me the whole weekend into this week. I was like, well, yeah, that, I mean, re- regardless of like the suspension and unsuspension is just part of the journey. But the fact that Austin top aided the regional players tour, then top aided the players tour finals that was online. C- keep in mind, COVID was a part of this mm-hmm. Then wins the grand finals, but is currently not part of the system. The system yeah. is restarting um, now. And th- which which is I mean, this is the first week, right? Next weekend is the first weekend of. Um, organized play structural tournaments, which is going to be the MPL and Rivals League play, which there are 24 MPL and 48 Rivals. And Austin is not one of those, even though Austin arguably had the best 2020 thus far. And and a new system is starting. There's holes in every system, but... That that's a super glaring hole, and you know that it shouldn't be the case for sure in in, in any kind of reasonable system. Yeah, where some where somebody can have a, a a year like that and then just still not be part of any of it. Yeah, I think whenever your elo rating is at twenty four hundred, you should be automatically relegated to you know the platinums, the MPLs, like that. That is absurd. You know that is uh, that is what he's up to right now, and I've basically never seen that. From yeah, the I amount mean, of time well, I've ever looked so, at it. So real quick, like ELO, for anyone that doesn't know, is is a, a, an old, outdated uh, ranking system that Wizards used to use but no longer uses, but because the yeah. competitive Magic players and Magic are strong, uh, someone has kept that going and inputs all the data from all the pro-level events, Grand Prix and up, into this uh, website, and, and it keeps the ELO going. 
Yeah, let's get real. Magic players just love stats, you know, myself included. But oh, yeah, it's it's kind <laughs> of their addiction. They love they, well, yeah. they love stats and old accomplishments. <laughs> like the, those are two things that are well, debated constantly. Well, they, they well, go hand in hand for well, sure. Brad, so. That's because the current accomplishments clearly don't mean anything with Austin just winning this. You got to relive the glory. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's the same for sports people, too. I mean, there's. I, there's been a resurgence in Jordan versus LeBron debates and people love bringing up like, oh, this person, how great they were in the 90s, but the game isn't the same anymore. You know, like that yeah. stuff is everywhere. People love to debate that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, any, any competitive I, venture, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff I'm getting a little tired of, mostly because the system on OP keeps changing. And so like, you know, a pro tour was a pro tour was a pro tour, but now it's like, Every single time there's a new tournament with new branding, they we have to figure out where it compares or people argue it online. And I've gotten a little tiresome of it because it's there's no real comparison. What what is a regional players tour real life compared to a regionals player tour online? And what's these players tours finals and these mythic invitationals to the point where it's like for me, it's just if it qualifies you for something, that is what matters. Like it's mm-hmm. like the Ben Stark idea. It's like, what does this top eight mean to you? And it's like this amount of money and this qualification. <laughs> and that's what it's valued at. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole lot, you know, content and all of that stuff matters for these things. I wrote, I wrote a piece on this before and like, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it, uh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but uh, that's, that's why people argue about this kind of stuff. But I do think there is some, some truth to there are some players that have just had way better seasons than a lot of people that are in the system that are just not in the system right now. And I want to take a step back and look at this organized play system because we're about to sit down for another year of a new system. Yeah. And, and things have been changing a lot. And I understand that, you know, COVID is a thing and a lot of things had to change. I'm not putting any blame on anyone and I don't want to just, make an hour long podcast of shit posting. Um, but I do want to bring up some of where we're at. Ooh, then, and I'm where out, we could go. then I'm out, man. I was really looking for some shit post in here. Yeah, that's, a, that's Aspro's. That's Aspro's material. Oh, oh shit. My bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have a new organized system and it's starting next week. Uh, and it's, you know, there's, there's challengers, MPL rivals, gauntlets, set championships for all that stuff. You know, go, go find someone with a PhD, and and have them explain it all to you and then come back to this podcast and you you know so you can have a grasp on it speaking of coming back I, i'm really sorry but it's not shit posting it's shit casting you know we're <laughs> yeah. on a podcast you're not posting and on that note i really think we should start shit casting <laughs> yeah like why not let's start making the bash for podcast the shittiest cast in the game uh, if it's not there already we're already the fucking goat brian <laughs> all right i don't know There's i think no, lebron's I know better the game, i know the game changed from the 90s but yeah. we're the goat i don't know 90s shit casting was the best Nobody listened to it because the internet, nobody had the internet, but <laughs> it was just people yelling outside their window at their, at their home about things that pissed them off. It was yeah. called the radio guys. Oh yeah. I remember the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. All right. So, so, you know, to, to figure out what, what we're going to like, the ultimate goal here for this episode is to identify some of the things that might be wrong with organized p- play, the structure of competitive magic. 
and and mostly try to add some suggestions on what maybe could be good for it and maybe something that we'd want the direction to go to reinvigorate us because I don't know a single person um, that I don't know anyone that I'm familiar with, like my peers and my friends that is like super gung ho about this. And that's challengers, rivals and MPL. Yeah. And that's not a great place to be. Yeah. I don't think anyone I I, not, I don't want to say anyone, but there's very few people who I feel are happy with the current system. And that even includes Mm -hmm. people who are beneficiaries of it, which I would say the MPL and rivals are the prime primary beneficiaries of the current system at least out of players yeah and i mean i i'm sure there's some people in mpl and rivals and maybe even one or both of you that are at least excited to compete against uh the good players in the structure and i'm sure some people excited uh to watch that journey but maybe not any of them just saying like hey this is this is the best uh you know tournament or league play that i've ever seen and I'm just excited to be a part of the system. There, there, I, there's got to be excited, excited people just to play and compete against the best. But yeah, to to say this is the system that is the best for me, uh, probably not too many. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. But like, so, so to keep us on track, because we are very good at spending an entire episode in the weeds. Yeah. I mean, if if we do anything right, it's nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, the, the first question we have to ask ourselves is why is the current system not working for people? And that's coming from the suggestion that it's not working. Um, and if it w- was working, I think we'd see more people enjoying it online instead yeah. of all, instead of a lot of complaining. And I get that, that, that the, the people that are frustrated are the loudest. And so we could consider it a loud minority, but I don't even know if that's true when I know everyone in organized play and, 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 and most people are saying nothing or negative things. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And I think just across the board, people's engagement level with magic, the game itself, when it comes to social media is, is down a lot. And to me, that suggests that I know a lot of people who personally feel ostracized by the system and are, are kind of, leaving magic in droves i think because they feel the system doesn't work for them and i don't want to focus exclusively on anecdotal evidence but it it does really feel like as a whole the system's a failure uh for for people's engagement with competitive magic i mean everywhere i see like um whether it's people that i listen to on podcasts like i'm not going to name names but there's a very big competitive magic podcast that their players don't play as much and they they're open about it you know and there's there's people like my friends like we have a close friend that no longer plays and we have you know content creators that no longer create and 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 we're not talking over the course of years we're talking from 2019 to 2020 yeah yeah it's it's a very short burst where a lot has deflated from a bunch of people that we see and like it's kind of like the canary in the in the cave scenario where it's like if you ever heard of this it's like old miners used to take a canary down and if there's gas the canary would die before they got affected by it and you know there's i'm that's kind of what i'm seeing is like are these instances the canaries and is there a bigger problem that's just going to blow up in a year or two and, yeah. and that's what i'm scared of 
And I mean, of course, huge contributing factors, COVID, you know, that could be just people do not have the time to do that because they're at home. You know, I, I know plenty of players, too, that just really went to tournaments for that kind of escape fun thing. And now that they're at home, it's, you know, they've prioritized family, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, playing online is certainly not the same as playing in a, in a tournament for the community aspect of things. And, and COVID mm-hmm. has definitely played a big role. But I also don't want to say that, like, that's I think the, the only factor I, or anything. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, even if COVID wasn't around, even with COVID being around, I still think the system could be better for COVID itself. Mm. Um, so that I think that's a thing too. Uh, so, but to to get back on like where we were at, um, so we want to talk about why why is the system not working for people, and you know, first we want to say like who, who is it working for, and and I think the answer is a MPL and rivals. Granted, a lot of us not a fan of the system, but we are the beneficiaries. But B, I, I think it's it's Watsi it's themselves, um, and I think the system. They, I think Watsi likes the system from a business standpoint because uh you know they're getting to do red bull tournaments and and dream hack and all these other tournaments that that look really good um from a perspective of of like their their bottom line and that they're saying like hey we get to partner with all these big companies it makes magic look good uh to an outside viewer um even if it's not really a sustainable or enjoyable system from within but Beyond that, I'm I'm really not sure who is actually benefiting from the system, and maybe you guys can think of someone else. But well, I mean, if my first my first takeaway is so, what is the system? The system, from a challenger's perspective, is very spike heavy, and that would you yeah. would say that that's for a new player. And the spike is you have to get 1200 top 1200 to then mythic, qualify f- mythic on magic on Re- arena yes mm-hmm. to then qualify for the set championship qualifier weekend spike that two-day event to then qualify for the zendikar split championship if you're in the top eight of the challengers in that tournament that'll qualify you for the challenger gauntlet at the end of the season and then if you spike that gauntlet tournament you get into rivals or mpl and so that is three spikes in a row and you know, the, the truth of the matter is I always thought that one of the best things about the OP structure previous to 2019 was that if you spiked a Grand Prix or you spiked a Grand Prix or a PTQ, you could go to the Pro Tour and then yeah. you can start getting into a system. But now you have to have multiple different steps to get to a place where you play again, play it at a high level like a set championship. And if you fall, you have to start the spike chain over again. Yeah, and that's the... Oh, yeah, to be fair, it's only really spiking two events because finishing top 1,200 Mythic is more about consistent performance and less about spiking. Yes. But yeah, yeah, you do have to spike specifically the qualifier tournament. Then you have to get to the tournament. Then you have to get to the major tournament itself, and you also have to spike that. Mm -hmm. And and the the big problem there is the lack of partial credit. It's 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 spike it all and you get into the thing, f- fail at any step in the way and you get absolutely nothing. There's no you know, it's not like before where if you top eight at a tournament or if you like, you know, top 16 enough tournaments, you could accumulate points that could get you there. There's no consistency to it. 
Yeah. And like, you know, the system that we kind of all grew up on, uh, the gold platinum, that kind of thing. When you spike that many tournaments in a row anyways, you're, you're platinum. You know, like, so that that was still kind of the same back then, where if you spike that many in a row, you're going to get to the highest level. Um, but yeah, you had the you had the fail safe where if you only spiked one and just did okay for the rest of them, you get to try again all year. And then maybe you learn a little bit more. Maybe you get a better testing team. Maybe you just, you know, get lucky in two tournaments instead of one. And now all of a sudden you are at the rivals equivalent or MPL. It, it's that bridge gap. That's hard. That's changed. It's never really changed. The fact that if you top aided, you know, two pro tours in a season and top 16, the third one you played that you were going to get to the highest level, you know, but uh, well, the middle has changed a lot. I mean, the truth of the system is you could win all three set championships and not be in the system the following year. Yeah. You don't even go to worlds. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, that's crazy. And, and so like, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it, it, it takes consistency and spiking now, and you don't have a bunch of shots, right? Like this would be fine if it was once a month, but this is three times a year. There are three yeah. set championships and you need to spike, spike, spike um, to then get into rivals or MPL for the following season. So it's arguably that the system is designed to get more new players in to get that rush of winning. Mm -hmm. But the the path is so long that I just who who wants to feel dedicated to that path? It doesn't it it feels like the the system is designed for someone to be able to spike something, ignore it for a month, spike something, ignore it for a couple more months, and then all of a sudden have a tournament where everything's on the line. And if you do well on that, then you're you're completely committed to a structure, right? Now you're in the MPL arrivals and now you'll play 10 week. You'll have 10 things in a year to do um, mm -hmm. or more. But before that, your entire OP system was play something every few months and hope you do well in it. And I mean, you do get rewarded, right? You know, I mean, the, the money you get from MPL, the money you get from rivals, um, it, it does reward you for the journey, but it's just, yeah, it's so hard. Uh, and the one the one thing that is a little bit better is with this system is the fact that we're playing all online events. If you had to still be crushing and being this consistent while traveling and you like travel for that third event and do bad, that would feel extra bad losing on, you know, travel costs as well. So that's the one silver lining of everything being online now in this system. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, for sure. I think yeah. I think I think the online aspect of it is huge. But I also think that mm. that. That leads to why I, that's one of the things why, you know, I, I could see uh, an argument for more things though, like more tournaments because it's online, more shots, giving them people more opportunities to do stuff. For a challenger yeah. right now, you play in your three championships or try to qualify for those three championships. You don't have a lot to do mm -hmm. um, within the OP structure. So you kind of have it by, by like design, you're supposed to ignore the OP structure, even if you care about it. Yeah. And we have stuff like the arena open popping up where, you know, you just get stuff to play. Um, and that, you know, as far as things to do, but it's nothing that connects to the journey, uh, like a Grand Prix style stuff like that. Oh yeah. We've and got it, and it's hard for people to, sorry to jump in, but it's hard for people to get invested when there's really nothing to invest in. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, one of the advantages of a system like the SCG tour or some of these other uh, things is that you have these events that happen consistently and you can be a part of them. And if you're doing well at them, you know, you, there's an emphasis to continue to be a part of them because they happen often enough where you feel like 
you know, they're on a set schedule, you know, when they are and stuff. And, and with this is, it's just all like every once in a while, there's a tournament. You probably didn't even qualify for it, it because you didn't spike the pre-tournament thing. And if you failed that, like, I mean, like we were saying, like, there's just nothing there and you're just sit like, it doesn't incentivize people to stick around um, just having such a long period of breaks. And, and I just think that that has just caused so many people to distance themselves from it. And I, I really don't understand why Watsi has gone the route of, um, of supporting all these like third party events, like the Red Bulls and the dream hacks and all these other things and not mm-hmm. created their own, um online tournament series with covid that allows people to be a part of op systems and allows them to to do that because i feel like that is a big key um to retaining players in the system and also allowing players who are consistently doing well to thrive in the system and making it less spike oriented i think that's the big flaw in this year's op and I don't know how you guys feel about so, that. But. So you don't think, um, you know, like the Red Bull events, you don't, because I mean, essentially that's what they're doing, right? They're creating tournaments, but they're just delegating the workout um, to them. But, you know, I'm sure supplying some some money to these events, you don't think it is enough for players uh, to get interested in them with just having a path to money? Like you think these events should have a path to the dream. Is it, right instead of just dream hack <laughs> yeah because they're all they're all one-off events and yeah. there's no connection between any of them and yet and and i think they're great you know they're awesome events that people like to play in and i'm not saying that they're bad events or that yeah. they shouldn't they shouldn't exist but everything is so disjointed in the system yeah. um and, and and there's no continuity and there's no path you know there's no consistent path of okay, I did well in this tournament and that's got me, that's got me on the first step, you know, and now I've got these three upcoming events. And if I can do well at one of the next three, that puts me on the the next step, you know, Hmm. and if, and even if I fail at the following step, I don't just drop down to zero. Maybe I drop down to step one, you know, there's none of that, you know, there's no like ladder that you're climbing to get to the top. I mean, I, well, I agree with you. There is kind of a little bit right now, right? Like if if you did well in this last SCG championship, you know, you qualify straight to, um, it's not the gauntlet, right? It was straight to just the battle for set Zendikar. Championship. Yep. Yeah, the, the set, set championship. So you, yep. get to, you get to jump the, the step of, um, you know, making top 1200 and then having to win in that first event. So you get to s- skip essentially two steps. Right. So you only have to spike that one. And now you're possibly getting into uh, or then you are getting into the gauntlet. So you you only have to spike two. Isn't that kind of um, a little bit of the bridge gap? It's, it's not official that it's their OP, but it feels like they are trying to create Grand Prix like things that have some connection to OP. Well, there, there is there, there's sort of. Okay, go for it, Brad. Oh, I was going to say, it, it, that is true that they're giving out qualifiers to certain organizers and they're helping the mm-hmm. community because, like, the truth is all of these, you know, Shadow Fireball is running Tournament Star City, Tournament EU is is hosting all of the Red Bull tournaments, and this yeah. is helping out, especially, I mean, there's a huge community out there of organizers and stores and and judges and TOs and and staff members that all are getting highly affected by this, right? 
and this is giving them jobs now online and 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 helping yeah. them have these tournament series to run um and and there are some qualifiers out there but that's not it's not part of the system in the sense that it's just giving some qualifiers so it doesn't matter how you qualified if you qualified through the set championship or from the scg series or the not set championship the qualifier or the set championship or the scg it's still just different qualifiers in the same system where you have to spike 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 and if you qualify right if you qualify in the tournaments two months away you have nothing to do until those two two months are done yeah and i mean i have one main thing to say uh, about that nice Nice. And then that <sighs> a is break what? for a CD. A break for a CZ. Everyone. Oh, I just it. that's what I just said it. Uh no. Um <laughs> Yeah, like I, I you're definitely right, Corey, that, that that they have those uh you can qualify through those things and those kind of sort of provide that bridge gap. But the mm. issue that I'm having with them is again, this is nothing against those tournaments themselves. I think they're awesome and they should hundred percent exist. It's just that there there still isn't the continuity. I think that's kind of what brad was talking about too there's no there still isn't the continuity there like um the scg tour and the red bull tournaments like there's no they don't they don't mix you know and there's no um you know they're they're at wildly different time zones and and that kind of stuff that there's not like the overlap in players necessarily i mean there are people who do play in them all but Brian, you know, Brian, I got to stop you just for one second here. I, I don't know, though, man. I have mixed Red Bull with different <laughs> sorts of things all the time. I, I mean, I think it mixes pretty well with, you know, I mean, if you want to have a vodka drink, you can have vodka Red Bull. Um, You know, you can whiskey Red Bull. So I think it mixes OK, but the SCG, yeah, not the best. Okay, that is true. Yeah, because I you're right that Red Bull mixes really well. But I did try mixing the SCG tour with a couple of things. Uh, predominantly uh, sadness and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, ninth, and ninth place finishes, and it didn't. I didn't like it. Uh, that it does link to the crossover to the vodka Red Bulls, though, look, so it does I, I, connect. I have the best thing to actually say, Aaron. It's going to blow your mind, Corey. Okay, okay. So from your argument here, I think you are act. You actually prove against your argument. Ooh. I mean, I've been doing that my whole life, so I'm not I'm not yeah, surprised, but, but enlighten me. So so we're talking about <laughs> like how the system is not for, you know, who is the system for? And we're pretty much boiling it down. It's not for grinders and people who consistently do well because they have to wait so long to, to accomplish their goals in the system. It's not like the Grand Prix before where you can schedule a bunch of tournaments and get your partial credits to get you and within the, the system. tour, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's now just spike and wait, spike and wait. And so when 2019 came, you were in 2018, you were part of the system. We were all three of us were on the same team, Genesis. You were going to all the tournaments. And mm -hmm. when 2019 hit, that's when MPL came out. You were on the outside looking in and you yeah. didn't know what your path in OP was. And you were going to have to wait to find out. And so what did you do? You immediately started dedicating more time to streaming, to writing or to doing content at SEG. You eventually moved to Rona to work there. And now you're part of the coverage team for these events. Yeah. And and so the moment that OP not not did anything against you, but the moment that OP did not give you a clear and concise, consistent path. Yeah. You just you you looked elsewhere and and that's yeah. what's happening. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, I mean, it, it was the sense where, um, you know, when I was uh, just barely missed MPL, 
it was a sense where it didn't seem like you could fathomly just be a pro anymore where you know platinum platinum was was pretty good especially for you know me growing up as a uh you know a teenager into my early 20s you know just platinum alone would would be good enough as well as if i got platinum i was clearly doing well at pro tours and whatnot um but yeah from that point i i realized it was either going to be so hard to get in or near impossible so i just pivoted to you know other things um and then still always had it in the back of my head i always played the pro tours and stuff but i did treat it a little bit more as a hobby and focused on my nine to five quote unquote was just yeah streaming content everything to essentially build a brand which is definitely different than just building a brand through competing and you know succeeding in magic yeah so so your 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 journey with op post 2019 was more of a happy to be there let's see how it goes yeah more of a go to tournaments for fun and then you know i i really did fill my um void of competing and going to pro tours with just the scg tour and it was different but there was still that uh, system in place that was, you know, it took to put it the way that you always put it, a carrot on a stick. You know, I've always saw you at the Players' Championship, saw you take it down. I just personally always wanted to be in one of those small-style tournaments. And if the pro scene looked even harder uh, than it already was, you know, being able to get my competitive fix through the SCG Tour was still great. You know, I I, I did still love oh, that. We, yeah, I mean, yeah. all three of us have grinded the SCG circuit. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's a good it's a good system, and, yeah. and but that that's just it. That's my point is that these new, this current system, the best way to explain it is that the reason I don't think it's working is because it's not. There's the only people I could see the system being for from a player perspective are those that don't actually want to invest in the system. They just want it around every once in a while to to take their shots. Yeah, and that's not a good it, competitive it system. It's not a yep, good competitive true. system. There are people out there who do enjoy the system for that reason. I've mm-hmm. definitely seen them. And I'm not saying that they're wrong to enjoy the system for of that reason. Of course not. But yeah, there are people who do like the system for that reason. I, I think to sum up, just as a one, like just to sum up what we've said so far uh, before we move into the next point, uh, it feels like the top of the system is a career, MPL rivals. And when I say career, Maybe not a long-term career, but, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, for the year that you're part of it or the two years you're part of it, it is a career. And then and it, below and, that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And then below that is just, it is like, there's no consistency there. So it's... you it's like it's, a hobby. It's, yeah, it's a hobby. So it's, it's, it's hob, it's, it's, you know, hobby with random events that you might spike. Mm. And then directly to career, no in between. And I think that's where, you know, that's the crux of the problem. So, you know, and that I think that's a summary of uh, essentially why people don't like the system is it's, it's all or it's nothing. And there's really no in between. So I guess that leads to the next part, which is, you know, how do you make an in between that actually works as a system? Yeah. And I mean, just a, a question, maybe this isn't exactly on topic, but do you think the just gold platinum thing, if you could just go back to that? Because that does seem like the bridge, right? Like gold, you never could consider that a job unless 
you know, you blended it with a, your personality to either be a streamer or blended it with um, a social outreach and turned it into content. But you couldn't consider just playing and hitting gold a, a job, you know? So yeah. this, this I don't even know how to unpack by saying it, honestly, from a podcast perspective. Yeah. But I don't think that... I think Magic needs the community stuff or we're all in the community stuff to keep us in it and how we like to play Magic. But I don't think that real-life tabletop Grand Prix into Pro Tours is ever going to be what Wizards wants out of OP because a, watching Arena is so much better than tabletop. Have you went back and yeah. watched any old coverage? It is almost unwatchable to me. It's like, it's like um, you know how if you watch a movie from like two that has a bunch of special effects from like, 2010 they look horrible <laughs> now but they looked amazing then yeah yeah it's, it's like it's that it's like going back and, and and watching i don't know i can't think of anything maybe like avatar like yeah it just looks so much worse and so, so i got i got something to say about that bro i was uh i was going back and watching a ton of coverage as of late but it through a different lens because i'm i'm watching to uh it, listen to the cover the commentators you know to try to be better at my job and stuff like that and so i actually have been watching a ton of old paper coverage lately and while I do think it's just like absurd to look at it and it is slower and stuff like that, the the overwhelming amount of nostalgia is just completely outweighing it for me. I'm just like sighing at my computer, listening to Reed Duke and LSV and Paul Cheon riff back and forth uh, from, you know, a, a siege rhino mirror or whatever. Um, so I'm a little blinded uh, from it with nostalgia for now. But yeah, of course, Arena is much, much better and much quicker um, to keep people's attention span in a digital age. Especially acquisitions trying to get new players involved. So Arena, yeah. I think, is always going to be... Younger where, players, especially. Yeah, Arena is going to be where they want to get new players into Magic from the OP structure. So, like, that yeah. that stuff isn't going to happen. But at the same time, I, I truly believe that right now we are trying to run our tournaments and our structures in an online world like they're in tabletop. So yeah. it's like it's it, everything's so backwards to me and and it doesn't make sense like we're running these long swiss tournaments into double elimination top 8s like we were in real life when we don't need the structures to be like that at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and and so like I just feel like well there's a lot of nostalgia to the old days we're not actually embracing the new day. But shouldn't it be a mix of new and old? Because you want to keep your franchise players that loved what it is, but, you know, also bring in new people. So, like, when the Pro Tours were Mythic Championships and then the, uh, what, Mythic Invitational? I, I don't know. The, you said it so right earlier. There's so much new branding, I just completely lost it. But when, when they were doing uh, tabletop Pro Tours as well as the arena ones, that seemed cool to me because you you get a little bit of both and you get to kind of infuse the new players into the tabletop and you get to show the old bucks into the new age. And I know there's a lot of people that like love the old old school tournaments, but then went into arena and, you know, are just like, oh, wow, I, you know, arena is actually just awesome. This upgrade's great, even though they were the grumpy old man saying, you know, no, I just want to play my normal moto and tabletop and stuff like well, that. Well, I think that's a different thing entirely because that, so? that, yeah, because 
Brad's not saying like don't have tabletop magic, of course, once it becomes available through COVID. What he's saying mm-hmm. is if when you're doing a tournament on arena, don't use old tournament old ways to run yeah Yeah, like don't use paper magic tournament structures to run arena tournaments here's like and i don't think any like i mean i don't think anyone wants that even old and franchise players because like they don't even want you know like i don't think that's for anyone um that's just using an old structure for a new event without providing like any kind of update to it because Mm -hmm. yeah like so those old tournament structures, those paper tournaments, they made a lot of sense when you went to a convention center for two days and it was a very social event where you got to, you know, you saw all your friends again, all that other stuff. It made sense to have a two day event that was really long because it gave you time to be in the tournament hall for two days, spend all that time socializing with people. When everyone's just playing a tournament from home there's no reason to drag on an event for that amount of length of time when no one's interacting with each other anyway. True. Um, and, and that kind of stuff. And I, that, that's the point I think that Brad's making. He can yeah. elaborate. Oh, yeah. and and yeah, like I, I have so many things to say right now. I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as possible. Like here's an example of something that didn't make any sense to me from the grand finals for starters, because of um, uh, from the tournament structure standpoint, if you got eight wins in the 12 round event, the first, once you got eight wins, you were eliminated from the day you are automatically qualify for the top eight. But they didn't do that for anyone that had X losses and they allow players to draw. And so there's a big draw fiasco in this tournament where two people drew and then two other people realized that and then they drew and they were on coverage. They were in the last round. And so we're online. Why the hell do we have draws? Oh, yeah, that's uh, stupid. Well, but that's, like, that's, and, yeah, that's drawing yeah. from the archaic system. Also, um, you know, the whole idea is that you allow draws because uh, you don't want it being worse where people are scooping everyone into top eight. So they had it right. X amount of people, once you get eight wins, you qualify. But that system should have had an X amount of rounds and also eliminate players on X amount of losses. So that even though it's Swiss, no one, the system has no concessions because everyone's always playing at the same places for the same things. Yeah. And I mean, that was similar to like league play, right? Like they made it so you get a pro point every time so that every match mattered. So there wouldn't be any concessions to your buddy. If, if one guy was in, you don't stay in a tournament to maybe scoop to Mike Sigris later. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. When you're mathematically locked up from getting X amount of wins, you should just be out of the event. Yeah, if a system has, you will remove you once you get X amount of wins, it should also yeah. in, include X amount of losses and the amount of rounds should be correct for the amount of players to where the tournament just plays out flawlessly without any and, any bullshit. And a lot of the qualifiers are actually set up that way. Like yeah. you get 10 wins or you get three losses and you're out. You know, like then that's a good structure for arena. Um, but yeah, some of these bigger tournaments are are set up under a paper system, like allowing draws, allowing, uh, you know, like having all these weird Swiss structures. It, it doesn't make any sense. I completely agree. Well, those man, tournaments also man. are like a ton of people, right? So it's really easy for a tournament structure like that to be on arena. But once you boil it down to how you're supposed to run tournaments of 30, 60, 100, 400, 800, even 1,000 people, um, you're going to have to figure out better structures. And I think we're just pulling 
a lot of the old structures and kind of giving yeah. them a facelift for those. Man, you know, so that this is a little off topic, but um, whenever we're in like coverage meetings for for these events uh, for these in the online age, we always go through like a big picture meeting and whatnot and and just kind of talk about when people get eliminated, when uh, people move on and stuff. And uh, me and uh, Monty Davidi, uh, you know, really, really talented commentator, one of the the young guns here. We've we brought up stuff like that from like each tournament stuff that, you know, doesn't make sense as a competitor. Uh, neither one of us were in it. So I'm sure if, if both of us were both of us or one of us was in this event, that would have been something we brought up. Just the player side of it when, you know, most are, or all the people uh, uh, were commentating. But I, I guess there was like Reed Duke and PV and stuff. Well, they you, you would up, think they'd bring something like that. I think up. that's probably the first time I've ever heard Manny referred to as a young gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's young gun for, in the commentating word, yeah, world. That is, that's that's, that's so fair I don't know for what sure. Meant, what, what, what would they bring up? I'm confused. Uh, like bring up, you know, that exact thing. Like, okay, but what's to stop people from like, for instance, the PT finals. One thing we brought up was, okay, the last round of coverage since draws are allowed, you know, we're going to have a really weird setup um, on trying to show the last matches because people might just draw into top 16. Well, they, um, and, you know, just bring up that that kind of thing could happen. And that would be totally a thing that I would bring up, you know, as long as I thought about there it. There was no oversight from coverage. It was that it's just because draws were enabled, two players were halfway through their match when they realized that they could both draw in together. No, that is an oversight, though. That that is an oversight right there. Well, you, an oversight you, is to allow draws, but from but that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Control Corey, how OP is you, working. Yeah, you guys are talking about two completely different things. But no, <laughs> co coverage works with producers, people that create the system. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like we work with the producers, the people that make those kind of decisions. You know, like Greg or whatever. Um, these people are in the meetings. You know. It's not well, just yeah. coverage. But yeah, I mean, draws have been enabled for all these tournaments. I'm just saying that draws should not be enabled anymore for the structures. Yeah, you, you guys are arguing with each other while agreeing with each other. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. We are just agreeing. I Yeah, I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so another thing I want to bring up about that too is, you know, from the player perspective, when I played in the grand finals, like the there's a discord, you know, like the community engagement aspect of it that Brian was bringing up. Because it's an online production and no one's in the same rooms together, it was kind of a ghost town. Everyone just played their matches. When coverage needed you for a reason, they would message you. And then when rounds would go up and announce would go up, and if there was a technical issue, someone would bring it up. But besides that, I, you know, I would play a match. I played all three of these tournaments, the Mythic Invitational, the Grand Finals, and the Players Tour Final. And I would play my, my match, and then I'd sit around for 50 minutes because coverage is doing two matches. And then mm -hmm. I would play another match and each round would take an hour and 20 minutes. And while I'm in the system and I'm part of it and, and I want it to succeed, you know, that doesn't bother me. But like from a from a new player, like someone that qualifies for something for the first time, like that is not an experience for them. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that should be something that is also looked at because because um, that that aspect of it is it died with. The, the digital age that just yeah. seems hard to actually correct though right and like no, and, and, without being and i, I want to say yeah. and i want to say something about that too like 
because I played in some of these tournaments and I play against people and I don't know who they are because I'm just getting their, you you know, MTG arena name or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I play a match against them. And generally they beat me because uh, <laughs> I, I haven't been as invested in magic lately. And sometimes I didn't say anything because I just didn't think about it. But a lot of times I message them, you know, through uh, either Discord when it was being run on Discord or, or Melee. Or, or melee um through the the chat box and melee and just say like mm-hmm. hey good games and a lot of times i get a message back like saying like hey uh you know th- like thank you so much it was really an honor to play you mm-hmm. and 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 i for me it's like if i never, just never said good game to them none of that communication would have ever happened and like you know somebody maybe playing in their first ever big event gets to have this cool story of playing against somebody in the MPL. And it's not even just me, you know, any MPL player, any rivals player or whatever, mm-hmm. any longtime pro, like they get to have that. Like that's a dream for a lot of people. Is to, this is their first time playing one of these tournaments. They get that cool story of playing against somebody like that. But if I never say GG or whatever, there's no communication whatsoever. Like there, there's no personal aspect to that. And I, I mm-hmm. feel like that has to diminish some of that value to a lot of people. Um, sure and so for me i think like having the community aspect of op is huge like i I think that's a huge thing and i think that the scg tour even in the online era has some amount of that because of the consistency of the events and the same players playing in them Mm -hmm. and like you know you you look at something like you know like Jason Florent, who is is one of our mm. cast and crew, who's Corey's nemesis, because you guys get mm. to play each other some amount of the time through these kinds of events. And I'm not not, you know, like that that to me, that level of community is a big part of what gets people to want to keep coming back and playing in competitive magic. And so I think any new structure has to involve the community. And I think the best way to do that is to have consistent tournaments that incentivize people to play in them by providing some amount of partial credit if you do well in them and once you have a structure that allows people to play consistently not every three months or whatever but like twice a month or bi-weekly or or even weekly or whatever it is and then Mm -hmm. provide an incentive for people to want to keep playing in these tournaments through providing rewards you're going to see the same people playing in the events all the time and then oh, those sure. people can create a community amongst themselves of, hey, we've played each other three times now. You want to work together for the next one, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, that that to me is a big part of what drives people to continue to play in magic organized play, even if they're not getting the monetary rewards from it. I mean, we played in OP forever when we were losing money oh, <laughs> yeah. it. going to events. Yeah. And I, because I, it was fun. We liked the competition. We liked the community like that. That was fun. Like the current structure, there's no fun to it. So. And you had a dream to still chase, you know, I mean, that's yes, a big thing yeah. too. The one thing I will say, and I know we're the official podcast of MTG Melee. So uh, it, it would already be me saying nice things about Melee, but this is just Go from, on. this is just from a, you know, a fan perspective and something that Melee has done so, so well is to bridge that gap a little bit is to just have the chat box pop up you know, right when, right when you start a match and the fact that your messages 
uh, it carry over. So the same thing, the SCG tour, I would pop up, play this person I don't really know, but then we look back at the, hey man, you know, they said big fan or whatever. We said GG's like uh, in one of the messages, I can't believe uh, you ended up getting that card. That was so nice. Whatever, you see a path that you at least conversated already. So it builds relationships naturally already. It, it it's it's a minor thing, but so much better than just the Discord tournaments where you pair the name said paired or whatever to that person at most, but you don't want to go into Discord and then be like, okay, hey, private message, good game. I mean, that happened oh, yeah, occasionally no, it, or whatever. It, but. It, 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 it is true. I mean, it's great that MTG Melee keeps, saves the chat logs for players later, and we do respect your privacy and personal information. <laughs> but it, it's nice way to bridge it in a world where community is for sure lacking. It, it's not, un, you know, it's not enough compared to the real life tournament experience because one thing that you said, BBD, that has always been one of my favorite things from both sides is playing against that person that you've looked up to forever and, you know, beating them, that would be awesome, or just playing a good match or the opposite where somebody is excited to play you. And walking away with a good experience from either side was something that just felt great at the end of the day. You tell your buddies Look, when you're I at think, I think, dinner, I think, you know? But. I, I, I agree with you on all of this nostalgia, but this is taking away from... Yeah. Uh, from, from actually the thing. Because the thing is, is no matter how much we want those aspects, some of that, like, especially through the matches, can't be created online. We cannot right. yeah. make two players, like connect through online services. But one thing that I think can happen, which I wish happened in these tournaments is a more robust like Discord. Instead of treating everything like a tool for production and the tournament, I feel like something should be for the players. I feel like coverage and and stuff like day nine popped in and said a message in the group, which was really cool. Uh, but then, you know, like that was it. And a few people like, I just feel like, the show is for coverage. The goal is to get more people watching, but I think we're losing sight of how the players feel when they're in the system. Like the hook, like we, we, everything about magic before was about retention. We all felt loved in a lot of ways when we were in, in OP, when I went to my first pro tour, they, they fed me on a dinner in Honolulu, you know, like, Oh yeah. Me a shirt and fed me. And it was a cool party. It was awesome. And now mm -hmm. it's like, you don't no one communicates with you unless they need you for something to, to do an interview with you or a feature match. And besides that, that's it. And yeah. And I feel I like mean, I, I think even in the old system back in 2015 plus or whatever, people felt unloved by the system. But um, I, 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 sorry to just interject there, no. but I, I think there's, I, I, people were felt very unloved by the old system too. And that, the focus By was old, too much. Do you mean like gold, platinum kind of yeah, thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There was a lot. I mean, people complained all the time about it, feeling like they were an afterthought for a lot of events. So hmm. I don't think that that system. I, I I think that that's just been a common theme through the ages. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, maybe it was different before I got on the pro tour because, like you're saying, they fed you and all that other stuff. Like I don't remember that from any of the pro tours that I went to. Um, and maybe that was a thing back in 2009 or whatever. But um. Sorry, yeah, man. You don't sorry, remember the the pro tour dinners? Those were those were sweet. They did go away before Brian got there. 
Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and then uh, the first Pro Tour of each season was the Pro Tour dinner, but also the Hall of Fame induction. Those were awesome. Those were awesome. But sorry to so, sidetrack with that, but I, I do... All do is just like look back at when magic was great like he's, just, he's getting so lost in the weeds of just how fun it was back in the day i hey, i've been the I've been streets like, of paris i i've been watching a lot of coverage getting nostalgic i've been watching like concerts and getting super nostalgic i cried to a john mayer concert the other day just because it was so beautiful to just see smiling people in a crowd. So yeah, you know, I, I might, it just might be all up in uh, uh, my head right now. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just overcome with nostalgia in every aspect of life. Oh, uh, there's definitely, <laughs> there's always, when it comes to this stuff, there's always people looking back fondly on things that they complained about in the, in the era itself. <laughs> always. But I don't, I don't want to get down that rabbit path, but I, I, I do want to just say that I a hundred percent agree that, you have to make uh you have to make structures for the players and that's just something that they never do they're, they're like it's always like you said production focused everything is production focused yeah and the thing is is that it's i i think that that's like a a losing strategy both for the production and for the event itself like if you design the events in a player focused way and you make the structure something that's good for the players then players are excited to play in the tournament. The tournament is a more appealing to players and thus also more appealing to people watching. Then the players want to market it themselves, which is free advertisement. A hundred percent. And like, once you do all that, like it makes the production better just by having a better event. And I just, I feel like they miss that and they've always missed yeah. that. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, to quote a movie that I don't know uh, that's going to really show my age, you know, if, if you build it, they will come. And that is uh, <laughs> it's kind of the same uh, mentality. Yeah. And they, they haven't built it. No one's coming. So Wait, you've yeah. never you've never seen that. It was some baseball movie, but I don't remember what it's called. So, yeah, this is. Yeah, this is awkward. Is it a field of dreams? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But was that what it was called or was that what the field was called in the Both. in said movie? Both. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I it, it, I think it was called the Field of Dreams, but gotcha. Yeah. This should be our normal podcast break where we go to Google something and have everybody just <laughs> wait and listen. So, All right, so, so I, I completely agree with you, Brian, on everything you just said, and and that actually brings me to, um, to like some weird problem that I have with with OP in general, especially in this this year is that I think that the actual OP system currently after MPL was created is just two different systems that they're forced to match together because okay. the MPL, yep. the MPL and rivals path is to play leagues. We play leagues against each other and that'll tell us where we go in the next year. And the challengers path is to play in set championships to qualify them for their own league to then have a chance to get into the MPL and rivals. And the odd thing is, is I think there's, I think some challengers will end up playing against rivals for slots too, but they can get yep. there by myself. So the, the truth is a challenger can become in an MPL member or a rivals member without ever interacting with an MPL or rivals and, and vice versa. Um, but for some reason, the MPL and rivals play in the set championships. And, and the first time they, they showed us set championships, no points were allotted to the MPL rivals in it. It was just a cash tournament. And now they've added some points because there's a lot of talk about mismatch incentives. Like I get, mm -hmm. like I would have no reason 
like why I would want to beat Corey in that tournament. There's no value. There's no world slot. There's no points. It's just you're auto qualified for the next event anyway. Yeah, it's so. a monetary mm. incentive. And the truth is they cannot create a system where I have a monetary incentive and and somebody else has a monetary incentive and a a OP incentive, organized play incentive. Right. Um, you don't want one person to be playing for money and the other person to be playing for qualification because that, that incentivizes. Yeah, that leads to backdoor deals being exchanged where one person exchanges a qualification for the other person's money. And in the That's, modern age, the computer age, you know, it's not like you have a judge around you. I can't, uh, you know, I can't, I can't imagine it's too hard to just message someone on Facebook if they weren't playing for anything and be like, hey, give you X, I get this, you know, and like, that's a system yeah. you don't want. That's a, that's a dangerous thing to yeah, get you in do, you as a player, want, you know. You don't want yeah, a system that, that ever has that involved. Yeah. And the, and the, and the old Pro Tour system was rife with that. And that was a huge problem in that system because those systems always benefit the enfranchised players. They always benefit the people who have been around the longest, the people that have the most connections, the mm-hmm. people who are most well-known, well-liked. always are the beneficiaries of that system. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where then, because those people are the beneficiaries of that system, they remain in the system, and yeah. the new people always get pushed out. And so, um, and, and that was a massive problem with the old system. And a lot of uh, people who were not enfranchised were struggling to get into the system because of things like that. And Mm -hmm. one of the beauties of one of the actual main advantages of being able to switch to something like Arena is that you can get rid of all that stuff. So to design a system that doesn't get rid of all that stuff is, is an egregious mistake. Yeah. And I think just in the online age, you know eliminating draws seems like the biggest no-brainer now ever you know i mean that's just something that was already not really great for tournaments anyways but you couldn't really enforce them just playing slow and going to a draw what what do you think about this though Corey? because i'm thinking Mm -hmm. for this weekend's bash bros tournament yeah that we players can only draw I like that. I'm in. Ooh. I'm in. Okay. Okay. Even if even if you win the die roll, you got to draw. Everyone you know? and draws. it's actually well. Of course, everyone draws because this week's Bash Bros tournament is Pictionary. Yes. Wow. You know what that <laughs> means? Playing magic. Yeah. You know, Brad. You know what that means? Jason Florent might finally not lose to me. Might get if we have to draw. He'll, he'll get one point out of you. He'll never get three, but he yeah, might get one. Yeah, oh, the boy can dream. But yeah, like, but, but that's just it. I think that there's two systems in place right now. Uh, regardless of uh, structures involved, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I am an MPL member, and I only care about 23 other people's, like, careers that are the MPL players, and then challengers want to qualify through their set championships and rivals want to play their leagues. And so it's kind of two different structures and systems, but they're mashed together because we, we bridge and play in these set championships. Now my theory, and we discussed this on the pre-show uh, to yeah. where, um, you know, you guys think that this, this theoretically is like, I, I'm just assume, making this assumption. I assume from a marketing standpoint that whoever becomes pros in magic, they want to market them as the path for a new player or a challenger. So like a challenger can just win a PTQ that all of a sudden be drafting beside John Finkel. That path Mm -hmm. you want fast, but you want them to stay in the system for a while before they can actually 
become a part of it, right? You don't want to just say, you want a PGQ, here's $10,000 and, and gold status. You know, you can't make a system like that because the, the system can't thrive on that. Wouldn't be sustainable. But yeah. you can use these players as promotion. You, you get to go to this pro tour, you get to play and try to do well, and you get to play against pros along the way. And now that system worked when it was like points and gold and platinum and things of that nature. But I don't think it works with MPL stuff because we've been fighting with this in 2019. Like, why the hell do I only care about other MPL members, but I'm playing in these, these like gauntlet tournaments online or these point challenges on arena, or I'm playing in even mythic invitationals or players tours from last year where, you know, like I'm playing against my, one of my fields, I played against no one in the MPL and somebody, mm -hmm. and I, and I was six, one at the end of the day or whatever. And somebody else didn't make day two and they only played MPL members. And yep. why the hell are we competing on the same for the same metrics if that's possible? Marketing. Well, exactly. It's uh, that's yeah. why I think it's because this is how you sell the big tournaments. And mm -hmm. and who knows, like if if like I mean, is the MPL and Rivals League play gonna fail from a marketing perspective again? I assume so, because I don't know what they're gonna do different about it. Mm -hmm. and, and are they just gonna have commentators commentating over our matches and saying that they're a big deal? Like what, what, what is going to be the thing? Uh, like my truth, yeah. I truly believe that there are two things that the average player at home wants out of coverage. They want to watch people qualify for things or they want to watch people tell them how to qualify for things themselves. Or watching for large stakes of money, right? Like, I mean, you know, people watch these League of Legends. They watch, you know, Fortnite because they're giving away a million dollars. But, you know, that's something our game is just not big enough right now. So that's just off the table. But something like that, you watch because it's the, the stakes. Sure. You know, I'm but they got to be sustainable be things, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I did always love watching, you know, the, the story of some young gun walking his way up to uh, a Grand Prix finals, you know, beating some great pro in, in the last round and, uh, and the the joy they'd get on their face, you know, seeing people qualify would definitely fall under that category. Hey, we don't need to bring up Brad beating me in the finals of Denver again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot uh, we played in that finals. It was so quick and easy. Oh, was <laughs> it? Yeah. Must be nice to have a perfect card every time. Oh, yeah. right. No, so. my, my brain is still red with magma rage from that magma spray in the top four. So I'm with you. Yeah, the only thing that sprayed more than the magma was spittle from Corey's mouth as he fumed. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, yeah, that, that's one way to not feel nostalgia for events right there. Good job, BBD. Yeah. <laughs> the three of us crushed together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, just that's the that one the tournament where Corey has no nostalgia. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that there... Yeah, so Brad, Brad's bringing up the point that there's there are two disjointed systems there's the mpl and rivals doing league play and then there's challengers doing the qualification set championship thing to try to get in and i think in a game in a bigger game so like in something like pro soccer or whatever having um a pro league and then having uh like challenger type leagues to try to get into the pro league is a very sustainable system because that's a big game with a lot of money a lot of fans um i don't know if magic has that so i don't know if it is sustainable if it would be sustainable to do what we like because the the system that 
what like what we were suggesting that we want changes to happen to the OP is we want things like bi-weekly tournaments for people to play and like Grand Prix type type tournaments where people can get points, that kind of stuff, build a community, something for challengers to be able to play in to uh to be connected to the organized play that they don't have now is but the question that we're having is can that mesh with the MPL system? Can you have both systems concurrently at the same time? I'm not sure if you can. Or is one of those two systems dwarfing the other system and kind of rendering it pointless or, you know, not worth it? So I, mean, I, I don't know what you well, think And if I, if I had, I can add even another thing that'll blow your mind where it's like, how do you even help this? It's like, so I agree with you completely, but we also ha- haven't talked about this, but we need to add a, a third thing to try to make the system work. <laughs> once COVID's over, and well, right now it's hurting, but we don't have a solution because of COVID. But even once COVID's yeah. over, over, like organized play has a huge stake in how local game stores buy, sell, and run tournaments. Yeah, and, and you have to reintroduce paper magic into it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's like, and you need a system that can do that. And so, like right now during the COVID era, something I would have loved is more weekends that don't have coverage um, that are just like double elimination tournaments and not play to X losses or whatever, just like a true double elimination tournament. And like that is, these are like a tournament structure that other organizers can take and promote. And, and these can be like Grand Prix style days where it's like big amounts of people, X amount of people qualify for the set championships or even there's could be a lower tier where those are the people that qualify for the qualifier and don't have to 1200. Um, just so you want states to come back. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of like it, even right? Like TG Melee can, mm-hmm. it does have country restrictions enabled. So any con- <laughs> you can have country restrictions on your tournaments, but um, no, I'm just saying that like, you know, like the big problem I have is if you qualified, if you're already qualified for the set championship, you you have nothing to do with OP for two months. Yeah, it's kind of like the old ELO system where people would sit on their rating. Yeah, but you're forced Holla! to. That was me. <laughs> that's how I queued for so many pro tours. And, in and fact, that's a, yeah, and that's yeah. a huge flaw. So yeah, in fact, the last you know worlds that we had in in California, I remember uh, that was the last one before they removed that. And I queued on on just ELO rating. So I just want to throw this out there because I, I meant to say this earlier, but I forgot to do it. And I just yeah. I, I, I'm just proud of myself for it. But I like to describe the current system for challengers as three spikes or you're out. Oh, I mean, nice. it is true. <laughs> wow. I, I, don't know, I, just, I thought that was clever and witty. And I oh. yeah. That was good. We should name that our podcast that <laughs> for this episode. That'd be great. <laughs> Three spikes or you're out is is actually uh, a great. Yeah, that is the title. That's yeah. really good. Uh, I thought we were the Bash Bros podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're rebranded right now with that with a pun that good. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we have any like you know like concrete way? I know we've talked a lot about this, guys, but like. Is there any just structure that you guys think is a good fix or any ideas of what would be a good fix um, besides just the points we brought up, like an actual plan? You know, I know that's asking a lot. but So without without creating the structures, I think that 
the problems that we have have brought up that need fixing mm-hmm. is is two very important ones. The first yeah. being update the tournament structures for the digital era. Mm-hmm. Yep. Modernize them. Yep. Yeah. Modern, modernize the tournaments, actual tournament structures we use. And and the second being um, find out what like what level like what players will will want to engage with, because right now there is like no real engagement into the OP structure at all. People are like, oh, the rivals and MPL leagues are coming up, but there's no excitement about it. I don't even know if there's any marketing for it. Like there's like that's what the goal is to get into the MPL rivals. And I don't think people actually care about the MPL rivals. They just care about them being in it. You know, like they want to be on stage, but no one's watching the play. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope, you know, and I mean, who knows because they they weren't necessarily a success for the, the MPL split weeklies and stuff, but you know, I really hope there's either something different going to be done or the fact that you get to see like the MPL pros, but you also get to see the rivals that are going up to try to try to get there, you know? So like they have that carrot on a stick that they're fighting for instead of just fighting to stay in, um, you know, maybe that dynamical shift will, will bring some excitement to some people. I know it brings a mild amount to me, but I was already just kind of excited to watch because I did kind of like the, the stuff before, but I know it wasn't really um, popular. You know, I did, I did like watching the best players play the, play the best players. Um, but I think that's for a certain very small subset of players that do enjoy watching that. And it's usually the higher uh, end that like watching just next level plays. Essentially. Look, I don't, I, here's, here's the, here's the problem I have. And I think it's mm-hmm. easier for, for it's easier to try to do it this way, but I think it's the wrong way. Okay. Right now, the OP structures keep changing and they're, and they're kind of just kind of chaotic and, not something that people are jumping on and liking. So the OP structures, like I could argue, are not good. And mm-hmm. and and people are not investing into them. So what's being invested into is the coverage <laughs> of them, but not that many people are watching them. Yeah. And so I what I'm saying is I would really want wizards to work really hard on finding a structure that brings people into the system so that they want to play in the things and then get the viewers from that way and yeah. and get more viewers yeah. because they invest in the system and like the system not try to get people to play in the system by the coverage of the system the other way around <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're going about it the wrong way and i think i i, I just don't know if watsi's incentives align with ours here and then that that might just be the big problem is is I I you know our incentives are we want a good organized play system that's sustainable long term so that players keep playing in it and that magic competitive magic is something that thrives. Mm-hmm. They might their incentives I think are um you know make money make it look good to shareholders that kind of stuff. I mean I, I'm obviously I don't know hundred percent this is just speculation but yeah those two things may not be aligned so you know, that's why things might not look that great for players is because they, they honestly, they don't care. Maybe they don't care. Like, but, but one thing, I mean, (laughs) wouldn't we all be able to agree that views translates into money? You know, we've all been streamers or are streamers at a time and that's just a fact. Uh, So wouldn't their incentive always be to make the best structure that brings more people to watch because watching 
equals numbers. You know, I mean, League of Legends, they have a great game that people love watching. They get, you know, 40,000 views for their big tournaments. Um, or more, and, you know, right? Exactly, or more. more. Exactly, yeah, or more. Yeah. So that viewership has translated into allowing them to pay a million dollars to first place. So that part has to align, right? You know, yeah. it's just, do they care about that enough to gut the whole system to increase viewers in that regard and you know that's that's another thing we just can't know for sure but it's gotta still be on their radar and something that they want to yeah. do and maybe just don't see uh, a clear path to do it i think it is but i think that it's it, it requires a long-term approach and i don't know if i i feel like almost everything that watsi is doing in the last few years is a very short-term you know, kind of sell out for a quick profit type approach to a lot of ways. I mean, we talked about this in previous episodes yes. of the podcast, and I feel like this falls into the same thing too, because what you're saying, Corey, I a hundred percent agree, but that mm. takes that, that requires a long-term approach, kind of a slow building approach of getting people invested in the system. And that takes a while and that takes yeah. time and it, and it builds up over time. If you provide a good enough system and, and a good enough incentives, you know, it's not an immediate, it's not immediate benefit. Whereas some of these production things could be an immediate benefit of getting like some sponsor, getting some things by making things look good, mm-hmm. even if it's the underlying system is not good. And I think that that might be the sell, the selling point there, even if it's not a sustainable thing in the long term. But and a huge crutch is still going to be having to do this digitally. Even if we're playing digital magic, like you guys have been doing at Mythic Invitationals and stuff like that, getting to see the reactions and stuff, it you know has to equate to like ha- double the amount of viewers being able to see people's reaction, see stuff like that. So there's a struggle there as well that we just cannot go and meet up with each From other. From a coverage perspective, uh, yeah. for for online, yes, there's there's a ton of hurdles, but I honestly think that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've said it a few times in here, but I actually think that there are systems that we can design around that promote online, you know, respecting yeah. people's time, yeah. one day mm-hmm. events, you know, one day spike heavy. Like if you're only going to give a qualification away or for someone, don't don't drag it out. Do single elimination or double elimination. Run a bunch of single elimination flights for qualifiers. People will play in them. I know mm-hmm. they would. If you just had a weekend with a bunch of different single elimination qualifiers, like people would want to play in those and those would be very exciting yeah. to people. I mean, yeah, the, the arena opens are not exactly like that, but those are awesome. I thoroughly look forward to those every single uh, time they're run. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. Oh yeah. Those are really, so, those are, those are great. I love them. Those are cool. Yeah. Those are, those are the kind of the way of transitioning into the new generation of things um in in a format that that people like with incentives that you know are valuable two thousand dollars that's you know not nothing for sitting at home in your pajamas um so that is a step in the right direction in my opinion so i feel like we've kind of covered everything that we plan to cover for this um Mm -hmm. i i i kind of feel like we should uh, wrap it up and i just wanted to hopefully briefly just kind of summarize everything that we said in, in a digestible way um, so just as a quick summary, uh, we feel that the current system doesn't work for the majority of competitive magic players and things that we would like to see changed are, um, focusing on good structures over production. Um, part of that being changing, uh, if you're playing online tournaments, 
uh, make them a structure that makes sense for online tournaments and not just porting over paper magic tr- tournament structures. Yeah. And then making a system that uh, rewards people f- to consistently come back, which then develops a sense of community and makes people feel involved in the system. Uh, and a, a way to do that is to provide uh, consistent tournaments that are not exclusively spike based. And then potential problems with moving in towards that kind of a structure is that it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mesh with the current MPL rivals structure to have also to then have cha- like this other OP structure for challengers that that is different. And that leads to the question of maybe the MPL rivals isn't a sustainable thing for magic magic's competitive future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that that's my summary of what everything that we said here so well said brother yep i loved all of that so let's actually talk about uh some upcoming awesome magic tournaments oh let's do it um, all right all right so this weekend uh is going to be the first cfb pro showdown on mtg melee they're porting over um and this weekend on saturday for everyone that has cfb pro uh to be qualified is a single elimination tournament where the last person standing will get not only prizes, but a chance to double them by facing off against Luis Scott Vargas in a a single match. Uh, Luis will be submitting their deck before round one, so there's no, like, metagaming, and then that player will play against them. I might actually play in that because it's single elimination, and so if I lose, I'm done, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and I might might play in that as some prep for the next big tournament we're going to talk about, which is the Bash Bros Battles. We're doing that oh, on this yeah. Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, any of our patrons uh, are able to play Pacific in it. time. Pacific, Pacific time, time, yes. Yep. Uh, any patron is able to play in that, so please do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to play in it, but you're not uh, currently a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash bachelor's podcast and our lowest tier, which is $5 a month, uh, will qualify for that tournament. You'll see a text um, in, well, not get a text, but there is a write up. Uh, in our announcements or something. I don't know what it's called on Patreon, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. where you can have the code or just message us on there for it if you need it. Uh, and one thing uh, one thing about that uh, that I wanted to add, you know how we've been really trying to stress that we want community involvement and stuff. This is one tournament where we are just taking personal steps uh, to do so. You know, me and Brad are very active in the chat in between rounds. Uh, you know, we both streamed. Me and Brad were connected together by Push to Talk. So if you wanted to watch, um, you know, your your matches play back and you play against one of us or you get eliminated, come hang out in one of our streams. It, it, it is something we're trying to do is be more community focused and include, you know, just everyone who's playing and everyone who's supported us. Uh, so it's a really fun, different style that we're trying. And, you know, we hope that you would uh, join us for it. Yeah, we're giving away a thousand dollars of BCW. Uh get store credit which is great thank you bcw for sponsoring us and our tournament series but even though we're giving that away like we're also like in the discord last time i helped a few people with their decks before the tournament so if you have any deck Mm -hmm. problems just message us in the discord um and and we might i might have one of us might have enough time to help out if unless it's like you know right before the tournament but yeah of course uh, yeah But then there's the MTGA Zone Historic Open that is going to be on Saturday morning. But the big one, the big announcement is the Red Bull Week of Wings. All next week, there's going to be qualifiers scattered throughout uh, on, on MTG Mail. You'll find them. I think there's 15 of them. 
and qualifying players from these qualifiers uh, that weekend will play in a split format historic and standard tournament with first place, I believe, getting 10,000. You shouldn't quote me on that, but. Uh, I be- oh, I'm quoting you. Shit, I should have. I shouldn't be quoted. I'm quoting you. <laughs> I'm quoting you right now. Brad no, Nelson cool said tournament. you get $10,000. And, and it's only $10,000 in wings. And you in get wings. qualified for the Red Bull Untapped Finals. That happens a week later. So it's actually kind of big. Like if you spike this tournament, you can then spike another tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but is there a third follow well, tournament to spike? Because if not, I'm first. out. Yeah, no, you yeah, have to, it's yeah. only three no, spikes and I'm out or I'm not qualifier, in. qualifier, you get to play in the Week of Weeks mm. f- tournament. And if you win that, that qualifies you for the bigger tournament. Nice. So it is three spikes. I'm in. It is three How spikes. How do Help I win in. the wings, though? That's the whole thing. Do I get ten thousand dollars worth of wings, or no, not those type <laughs> of wings? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So the Red Bull Week of Wings, or wow, sponsored by Owen Wilson. Get out! Get out! All right. Well, that that is all of our upcoming events. So please take a look at those. If you're oh. watching this on Bobbing iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, there are some show notes underneath. So take a look at that, and you'll see links to all these tournaments. Um, and contact your doctor if you're watching this podcast because you got mental problems. Because we cannot. You can watch our not mini a video pod- though. <laughs> that's true, but that's not this episode, Bradley Nelson. That's true. All right. <laughs> let's, let's get into the uh, cast and crew, shall we? Yay, right, let's, do let's do it. All right. So first up, oh, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, our cast and crew are lovely patrons at certain tiers. They become part of the cast and crew, actually. So this is a shout out for not only their loving support, but also the work they do for us uh, on, yeah. on the podcast itself. And the first up exactly. is Wapa, who is my personal barista, uh, but took on a little bit more responsibility lately and also... Uh, is our personal dog walkers, except will not take BBD for walks. I don't know what you did to Wapa, but uh, they won't walk you. Mm. I mean, it makes sense. I did. Uh, I did. I did uh, pee on the neighbor's mailbox the last time we did it. So. Ryan, not again. I thought you were finally potty trained. It's also, uh, I don't know wasn't. why you keep thinking it's uh. the neighbor's mailbox. It is, in fact, our mailbox. Oh, okay. And please stop. <laughs> well, I'm not going to stop. And okay. our next up is Adham, who is our ghostwriter. Uh, so, Ghost writes all of our episodes. We don't actually do any of it. And I'm reading this off of a teleprompter right now. So. It is really thorough writing by Adham. Very impressive stuff. So, uh, um, some work that is not really impressive uh, is David Watts. Um, really, really slacking a lot lately. David Watt is the special guest screener. Um, and you know what? You know, some say variety is the spice of life. Uh, David Watt does not feel that way. Um, and gets us usually the same special guest every week. I think David Watt is OP. Oh, David Watt's working for Organized Play. Well, Brian, you know me, and I also agree that David Watt is (laughs) OPP. I don't even know what that means. All right, next up is Gino Batista. Uh, and uh, so Gino is actually was supposed to be on the show quite a few weeks ago, but has had some issues um, making it onto the show. And uh, sadly, we found out that um, that Gino is dealing with some sentencing because a jury of, of their peers has determined unanimously that Gino was, in fact, rightfully arrested. So... Sorry oh. to hear that, Gino. Um, you might be going away, hopefully not for too long. 
But uh, man, if Gino didn't want to be on the cast, you know, just yeah, Gino, I'm sorry for all of this, uh, but but thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, Gino was supposed to be this week's special guest, actually. I think David Watt had tried to get him, but yeah, can't nothing, nothing to be done about that. Uh, so. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, next up we have. Paul. Paul. Ka. Oh, yeah. Music to, my, music to my ears. Who is BBD's wall staring photographer. So uh, anytime that I stare at a wall, which is all the time, Paul mm. captures it. So phenomenal job. Serious stuff there. Uh, next up, we got Max. And that's uh, my linguistic coach. You know what? Sometimes I misspeak. God damn <laughs> And, you know, in times just like that, uh, Max really helps me out and gets me uh, back on track. But to be fair, Adam <laughs> is the one writing in these kind of verbal errors. So really, it's Adam who should be getting some help from Max here. Mm, that doesn't add up. Yeah, that, uh, oh, that okay. doesn't add up. That is all no, your it's, fault. It's your fault completely. Yeah, it's all for... Yeah, it's okay. 100% your fault. Okay, thanks. But that's also Adam's writing, so... Just gotcha. like it's Brian's fault for switching up who we announce here, Brian... No. Brian no, getting, getting rid of uh, Phil, because, cause Brian, what, what, is, what does Phil do? Uh, Brad, that's your job to uh, it's announce. It's my job you're supposed to, to what Phil You're does? now supposed to uh, Brad, tell you us what the, Phil does. You were the one who set up this order, so this is on you. This this uh, one's yeah. you. This is my, yeah. my B? Ah, uh, damn. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, Phil, uh, we still don't know what you actually do around here, and uh, mm. we would like to know, so if you could please give us a message, and we could try to give you a, a job position. Uh, Phil, what would you say you do here? Yeah, <laughs> what would you say you do here? All right, next one, we have uh, Sultan Abbasi, who is our designated man at work. Now, uh, do you know, do you guys know what the difference between a mana nerd and a mana geek is? No, no, neither do I, but a mana <laughs> dork is the one who does. So Sultan Abbasi uh, is, is the one who could tell the difference between the two. That's what a dork is. And okay. that is Sultan Abbasi. So, so, so. is Sultan a mana dork as in like mana, like from, you know, the game? Or is it like a, uh, like a mana war? Sultan is like, actually is a noble hire. Like a mana dork? Or is He's it actually mana dork? A, it's mana, like uh, like secret of. Well, I don't know what you're referring to, but we're talking about the essence of the planes that that characters draw from in this game. Oh, okay. That's what you're referring to, right? Mm -hmm. Not secret I of thought... mana, the 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 old awesome video game. Holy shit! That we was... were we playing that together for a while. We were, and also also I was referring to the bread that God gave the Israelites as they escaped from Egypt too. Shit, mana was in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. That it absolutely was. That mine mine is blown. I just found out, by the way, and this is uh, thanks to Amber, who is uh, is a uh, murder cult person. Like, uh, not, not, oh, not an actual murder. I don't think you should be announcing so that. It's not an error. And they're called, <laughs> what are they called again? I can't, for, I can't remember what they're called. Like, I um, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, what, no, what, they refer, probably. what they refer to each other as, like like people that are obsessed with he, with you know murder podcasts and stuff. But I just found out that. Do you know how you die when you're crucified? 
Hmm. Asphyxiation. Suffo- yeah, asphyxiation. You suffocate. Yeah, I knew uh, that. I didn't know that because I wasn't raised with this tormenting bullshit. Yeah, hmm. you, you eventually can't raise yourself. You have to raise yourself up to breathe when you're yeah. crucified, and eventually you like lose the strength to be able to do it, and then you. And if you're too strong and they get tiresome, they break your knees. Wow. That's some fucking yeah. messed I'm glad up we, shit. Uh, we're ending on such a, a lovely note well, here for Sultan, our Thank you for being so, our designated manador. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. I'm going to move on. Okay, guys. Uh, uh, next up, we got Sam for Dome, and that is the Bash Bros Podcast personal fitness trainer. So, you know, we, uh, we've all been sitting down a lot. Uh, Sam's been really helping us, giving us some strict regiments, you know, stuff like carry a remote to another table in the remote or in the room, you know, like walk from room to room. Really tough stuff uh, for for us. That's for sure. There's only one trainer that I listen to, and it's not Sam Perdome. Is it Joe? Is it Pokemon trainer? Is it it's Joe? Megan. Megan trainer? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Brad doesn't get that because he he's too old for '90s or for current music. Yeah. Also, I've never heard any song that she's ever done. But that's probably for the best. Yeah. What's what's cool though is I don't listen to Sam's uh, fitness regiments, but I did just buy something that I bet Sam would approve of. It's one of those like bicycles for your for your office. Oh, like it's just it's like this heavy thing underneath my desk, and so I can pedal while I'm working. Sam will be impressed with me. I'm buying a Pedal Peloton. I'm really, I'm really next leveling it up there, Brad. Nice. I'm sorry to one up you, but <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I guess I am up next. It is Eric Nall, who has now become the leader of the Trash Tonauts. And mm, uh, the Trash Tonauts, I do not know where they are anymore. Like they, the what was the last place that we found, Eric? Uh, space. Yeah, are they're, they're astronauts. Yeah, space. Yeah. I still want to believe that Eric's entire backstory that we've been hearing this entire time is the backstory for the game Among Us. Because you can dump <laughs> trash in the space stations and stuff. So I'm mm. really hoping that Eric Nall's eventual story is just the backstory for Among Us because they don't have one. I really hope it's the backstory for just some like really, really bad movie from like the 80s or something. And he is just laughing his ass off every time we go over well, his job. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but also I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but still. <laughs> All right. Next, we have uh, Gear Meldy, who is our merch store manager. Uh, huge promotion from our merch store assistant to the regional merch store manager. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Next up, we got Jason Florent and you know, that's my arch nemesis. Uh, Jason, you know, just uh, feeling a little down, I guess uh, that, you know, hasn't beat me quite yet, but you know, Jason's day may come. He did win our first bash bros podcast, uh, the whole tournament, but he did fall to me, so he truly didn't win. That's well, right. the chips say he did because that's I gave him first place prize. Oh, so oh. Well, I think he did win. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Next up is Patrick, who is uh, our office party coordinator, um, which is great to have, except for we don't have an office and we have to socially distance. So, Patrick, when uh, when this uh, you know once we get a vaccine. And, and stuff, you better be planning the biggest awesome party of all time. 
Yeah, and yeah. we're not coordinated, so that's also bad, you know? Yeah, so. I ran into Patrick and Phil at the water cooler the other day. Yeah. Mm. And uh, don't know what Phil does, but Patrick said he was planning a massive party and we were going to be partying like it was 1943. So I'm super stoked for that. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's kind of good here. <laughs> oh, All no. right, next up. Next up, we got Filippos Galanis, and that is our Aspros podcast liaison. Uh, really, really, you know, the Aspros podcast comes with a lot of maintenance, a lot of work on the back end, and Filippos uh, uh, is just so good at managing all of the, the tender care that goes into it. Yeah, he's really like, I mean, to borrow an example from nature, he's like a human centipede. Okay, I don't know what you guys are being about. serving what? as a liaison from the Bachelor's podcast. That, would, that, would, actually, that, that would actually make a lot of sense because I didn't want to say it, but Fleetwood is, is is kind of a brown noser. Oh. No. <laughs> Nice, nice. Hey, four butt note. jokes and four butt jokes and one cast and crew. Go us. That's sorry, be a new sorry, Philippos didn't have to. Didn't want to make you the butt of the joke. All right, we got Laura, <laughs> who is our chief executive officer, and he will probably fire us for everything else we just said before that. So, Adam made us do it. Yes, good, good, good try, Corey. <laughs> Uh, last but not least on our casting crew today is uh, Victor, who is our executive producer. Now, an executive producer is uh, keeps things lively, right? You just got to keep things, um, you know, when 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 you want to move them to PG, they say, no, bring it back to PG-13. Smart. Checks out to me. Yeah. Got to keep things edgy. And that's why we got a producer. Because what <laughs> what more does the world need than edgy white cis males? <laughs> I heard uh, next week was NC seventeen. Ooh, more than I. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for our cast and crew. Thank you again, everyone that supports the show. I truly appreciate it. And again, one more shout out. We our tournament, the Bash Bros Battle, sponsored by uh, the one, the only BCW Supplies, is this Sunday. So in a few days. So if you are okay. interested in playing in it, go to Patreon. Or to the Discord and message us and try to get the code. Actually, go through Patreon. I'll be making another post on Thursday with the code um, and another one on Saturday. But we'll see you all then. Love you all. Thanks. Stay safe. Stay stain. And go fucking vote. All right. See ya. Yeah. And go <laughs> fuck yeah yourself. I mean, vote. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs>